Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any info on our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. You've heard the phrase, you are one in a million. You heard that? You are one in a million. Now that could be taken a couple of different ways. It could be that you are special and unique and there's no one like you, not even a million people. You're that special. You are one in a million. Or it could be taken as there are a million people and you are just one of them and you're not that special and frankly no one cares. Which one do you take on for yourself? My mom had told me once, probably a few times, because for some reason I remember it. She says, God has too many other big problems to worry about me. Oh, that's sad. I never believed that, and neither should you. Population of Canada is... Right on, 36 million, give or take one or two. The population of Manitoba is 1.4 million. This is all according to Google. So if Google's wrong, whoever he is or she is, then you can take it up with, with them. But Winnipeg, population is 706,000. Population is Steinbach. 17,000 people. Population of Grunthal. <laughs> Three, come on. <laughs> According to Google, it's 1,700. Population of Kleefeld. Google had no idea. <laughs> Anybody know? What's the population of Kleefeld? Nope. No. How much? It's about a thousand, is what somebody told me yesterday. Somebody who lived in Kleefeld, about a thousand people. Sundown, Manitoba. Anybody hazard a guess? That's more than three. It's about, about 50. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what nation you live in. It doesn't matter what province, city, town, DARP, whatever you want to call it. You can still feel insignificant no matter where you are. It actually doesn't matter what size of church you happen to be in. It could be large or small. We all can feel insignificant. I want to encourage you this morning... I'm going to take us through a bunch of scriptures. You may want to write these down, and you want to review them, and I'll challenge you at the end in the weekly challenge. But I want to read a bunch of verses that's just going to breathe hope and life into you. Isaiah chapter 46. The prophet Isaiah is writing on behalf of God. And I know it's written to the Israelites, but we can take these for ourselves. Many of the, many of the scriptures we can take directly for ourselves. He says, God says, Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all who remain in Israel. I have cared for you, 
since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Isn't that good? That's good. Micah chapter 7, the last two verses. The prophet Micah is writing to God. He's saying, once again, you, God, will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. And you will throw them into the depths of the ocean. Look at your feet. Trample something. That's what God does with our sins. The stuff of our lives. And then not only that, he then picks it up and throws it into the deepest sea, as one song says, and then he puts up a no fishing sign. For some reason, we go fishing for all our past sins, don't we? I love that. Once again, God, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet, and then you'll throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and un failing love, as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. Oh, isn't that good? That's good. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, he's writing to us, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. He is faithful. And then we go over to Psalm 139, my favorite psalm. It's a psalm that we should read often, often, many, many times. The psalmist David is writing. He's praying. He's reflecting to God. He says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything about me. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Do you remember a couple of months ago, Pastor Chris was, was uh, speaking and he was, he was sharing about the, the universe and how massive it is. And, and as I was sitting in the four o'clock service, I usually sit right there, and he's going through that, and he was talking about the eye and the universe and all this kind. My mind was constantly going poof, poof, poof. That's what he's saying right here. Such knowledge that you know me and love me, such knowledge that you know everything about me is too wonderful for me, too great, poof, too great 
for me to understand. And he goes on to say, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, to the skies, you are there. If I go down to the grave, into the depths of the earth, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me. I don't know why David would would do that, and he's not saying he would. I I don't know why we would ask the darkness, but if we did, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but in the darkness I cannot hide from you, God. No matter how dark, I'm not hidden from God. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Then he turns inward and he goes, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together. I love that. Knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Another poof moment. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. All the thoughts, God, that you have of me, of you, outnumber, poof, the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, even while I'm sleeping, you are still with me. Was that good? That's good. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church there again, to us. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call, the call that he has upon you, your life, your salvation, your relationship, your ministry, whatever, all of that. Enable you to live a life worthy of his call, and may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you and I live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that God knows you. You need to know that he loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Most of us know this truth, God's truth about life and about us. We know it in our heads. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says that God has written or planted eternity in the human heart. Deep down, we can't ignore it. We may try to explain it away. We may try to deny it. We may try to fight it. 
But deep down in our hearts, we know there is a God who loves us and knows us and wants a relationship with you and me. We know it in our heads. We know it deep down, but some parts of our head tends to overrule our hearts. We struggle to believe. We doubt. We question. Why? Why do we do How How do we do that? I want to focus on one reason in this message, and that reason is that life gets at us. Life beats us down. Life affects us and hurts us. So how does life and trouble get at us? The first one is that dreams get knocked down or they get knocked out of us. And these can often be the defining moments in our lives. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Do you remember? Ask almost any kid, and they'll tell you, ah, I, I want to be a fireman, or I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be a preacher, or whatever it would be. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? We've all tried to accomplish things when we were kids, do things. When we were teenagers, and even as an adult. But somewhere along the line, we get stopped. Somewhere along the line, something or someone gets in the way, and we're stopped. And that dream is squashed, or we fail. And we just can't seem to get going again, and we lose that oomph to get to it. Do you see that? When I was in um, grade two, grade three, I used to play the accordion. Really, it's true. For about two years. And uh, my mom said I was pretty good. I'll take that. Caught up to a few kids that were ahead of me. That's even better. But there was one song that my teacher would not let me get past. I tried. And there was one time, and you, you know, by the way, if, if, you're, if you've played the accordion in the past, I, I want you to come up to me. I want you to fist pump me and go, we're accordion brothers or we're accordion sisters. No one else will know what we're talking about. It's secret code. But I just want to know. I've had a couple of, couple of people already come to me and go, I used to play an accordion too. So here I am. I'm trying to play this. And, and the, way, the way it works, the keys and the buttons, and then you have to move it apart because that's how the wind makes the sound come out. And if you've ever played, tried to play an instrument and you're trying to get over a certain sequence or a certain pattern, you're, you're, at least I'm sitting there playing it, and, I'm, and my, my body is kind of trying to play that note and maybe my tongue is doing something weird too and my mouth and my dad laughed at me 
sat up, took the accordion, squeezed together, snapped it together, put it in the corner. I quit right then and there. Now, my dad was not trying to be mean. And looking back, I can go, I can imagine how funny that would look. But that's not what I needed. I've never played the accordion since. A number of years ago, I picked up an acoustic guitar, played it for a little bit, but I lost the oomph, and I just put that aside too. Can you identify? Is there something in your life that you dreamed and maybe you could do, but something or someone stopped it and you just put it aside? Let me read Second Thessalonians chapter 1. So we, I, keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call, whatever gifts, abilities, skills, his call upon your life. Enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. And this, the call, the abilities, the skills, the gifts that you have, is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pick up that dream again? Would you pick up that thing that you wanted to do? Would you pick it up again, maybe? The second thing that affects us in life and troubles is that relationships pull us down. And the closer the relationship, the more it hurts. There's rejection, there's abandonment, there's, there's distance, there's strain. Over the last month alone, just the number of conversations I've had with people, I would dare say every single one of us is having a relationship issue with somebody. Every single one of us. It may be a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. Something was said, something was done, something was misunderstood. And that friend that you had for such a long time, you haven't talked in weeks, months, maybe years. Maybe it's your siblings, brothers and sisters, and I went through that a number of years ago with one of my sisters. Man, that just weighs on you. Maybe it's your parents. You don't talk so much anymore. Maybe it's your cousins, an aunt, uncle. And this past Christmas, maybe you're still going into some of the family gatherings. Oh, man, you just don't want to go there. You hear me? Man. Maybe there's a leader in your life, a mentor, a boss, an employer, somebody that's trying to move you forward, encourage you that you don't, ah. Maybe it's a church, a pastor, a leader, 
that's hurt you, that hurts. Maybe the church you're in, maybe right here, maybe a church in the past. Relationships. Maybe it's your spouse. That one often hurts the most because it's the closest. And your spouse hurts you. The relationships that are closest to us can hurt the most. I remember, again, grade two or grade three, and I'm thinking as I was going through the messages over the weekend, I'm going, wow, a lot of things happened to me in grade two or three, and I'll tell you another story at the end of the, end of the message. But I was in swimming lessons, and I was learning to swim. And we're all sitting around, standing around in the water in a, in a circle holding hands, and we're supposed to sing a little ditty and then go underwater. I am not going underwater. Thank you very much. And so we're all standing there, do-do-do-do-do, whatever the little song was, and everyone else goes underwater except me. My mom is watching from the deck in the back, obviously mortally embarrassed. And she comes running across the deck, yells at me, Timothy Carlisle, Ryan, you get out of that pool right now. You can't do anything. Thirteen years ago, at one of the first encounters, which is now the Set Free, Pastor Ray did a demonstration with me to illustrate inner healing. And Jesus met me in that memory. As that memory came up, and I, started, I just lost it. I just wept and wept and wept. And Jesus showed up in that pool in my memory. He showed up. You know, you know what's so cool? Before age 10, grade 4, grade 5, I didn't know there was a Jesus. I didn't know there was a God. I didn't know there was a Bible. I didn't know any of that. But in his mercy, in that memory, he's showing up right behind me. I'll never forget it. He shows up, and I could just see the white robe just curling around, and I just wept and wept and wept. And Pastor Ray said, Jesus, what do you want to say to Tim? And I heard so clearly, so clearly, Tim, I love you. I'm with you. You can do anything. I lost it. If I could lose it anymore, I lost it even more. It is that one healing, that emotional healing, has just transformed me. You can ask Pastor Ray. He'll confirm that for you. The word that held me down for so many years, I can't do anything, was finally set free. Those words, do you have some of those words in your life? Some of those relationships? Maybe just sit down sometime and write it out, journal it. Talk to somebody about it. Pray about it. Ask Jesus for what he would say about that relationship. See, he knows the other side. I, I understand more of 
what was going on in my mom's own life. It's not an excuse. I don't excuse her. I've forgiven her, and I've let it go. But sometimes Jesus cannot often show us the other side and go, oh, yeah, I get it. I can forgive that person and let it go. Third thing that pulls us down often is illness and disease. Many of us here struggle with physical ailments, physical diseases, physical illnesses that consume you. They control you. They affect every part of your life. I don't have to go through the whole list of it. You know it. There's a mental illness. There's a struggle going on, anxiety and fear and depression. I could list all of them too. I don't need to. You know. You know what you struggle with. Emotional, as I just talked about. There's emotional holds upon your life. You know what they are. Spiritual. There's some, just some deep struggles in your head and your heart about spiritual things, about a relationship with God and questions and wonderings that just, just won't let you move forward. Addictions. Do you hear me? You, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know that in your personal life. Or maybe you know somebody else that is struggling with something physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, or an addiction that just has them held. And they can't get through it. They, they, they can't walk through it. A couple of months back, I, I did a funeral for a friend of mine who struggled more intensely than I have ever met anyone in my life with a mental and emotional struggle. And God mercifully and graciously took him home. But I remember visiting him in his home. And he'd be sitting on his chair. And he'd be shaking, just shaking with the anxiety and the fear and the depression, all that mixed. And he'd be sweating, perspiring, like I only ever see athletes perspire. And he'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden he'd, he'd stand up, shaking. I'd go, what are you standing up for? He goes, I don't know what else to do. And then he'd sit down, he says, Tim, pray for me. So I'd, I'd try to pray for him. Man, that was a test of faith. It was only until God took him home that he got freed of it. Do you know somebody in your life that is just struggling? I can't, I couldn't give him answers. He didn't need answers. He just needed a friend. He needs somebody to pray for him. Somebody to hug him. Do you know somebody like that? Maybe it's you. We're going to do something. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, please. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you do anything weird. But I'm going to ask you to stand. Do you have that person in your mind? Do you have their face? Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else. You, you got that person? 
or maybe a couple of people in your mind. You got it? Please nod if you do. You got it? Okay. We're going to applaud them. Okay? Applaud your friend. Applaud him. Cheer your friend on. Cheer him on. Come on, friend. You can do it. You can keep going. Cheer. Let me hear you cheer. This is better than the Jets or the Bombers. We want to cheer our friend. Come on, friend. You can go. You can do it. You can do it, my friend. I'm with you. I'm cheering you on. You've got it. That's what your friend needs. After the service, not now, I want you to find that friend. I want you to hug them. I want you to put your hands on their shoulders and say, I'm with you. I don't understand. I don't have the answers. I'm with you. Maybe it's you. Maybe you just need to hug yourself more often. Or walk up to somebody else and say, would you please hug me? I need a hug. You can do that. That's not weird. Can we do that? Okay, you may be seated. Thank you. And then what you might want to do is go to Isaiah 46 and not preach it, just read it. Where God says, listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. And my friend's hair went white. I made you, God says. I will care for you. I will carry you along. And I will save you. There's another thing that holds us back in life and trouble. And that's how shameful secrets chain us down. Shameful secrets, those things that we would rather take to the grave. Things that we have done, things that have been done to us, and maybe there's feelings and thoughts that you wouldn't dare tell a soul secrets. I know they're out there. I've had a number of people come to me and share a shameful secret and tell me, I've never told anyone this. They're out there. So what do you do? If you have a shameful secret, what do you do do with that? Well, you could take it to the grave. You could do that. I don't recommend that. I don't recommend you taking it to the grave. But let me help you with a couple of simple steps. If you have one of those shameful secrets, something that you've done, something's been done to you, or a thought or feeling that you just wouldn't tell a soul, take a small piece of paper and just write the word or a short description. Just write it on a piece of paper. Get it out of your mind, out of your heart, and just put it on paper. That's going to take a little bit of courage. Step number two, you'll love. Take that piece of paper, rip it up, and burn it. 
Then you confess it to God, or you forgive the other person, or say, God, I want to, or help me, or I can't forgive, but walk with me. You put it out there. You don't run to the other person. Forget that. Don't do that. But you start talking to God about it, and you, you, you pray to God about it. You talk to Him about it. Say, God, this is what's going on. You're not looking for the solution. You're just sharing it. And then the fourth thing, the fourth thing you want, might want to do is to ask God for someone that you can trust, that you can share it with. I know that's going to take a lot of courage, and it may take a while for you to be able to get there, and that's okay. But you write it down, and you rip it up and burn it, and then you talk to God about it. See, I read the verses earlier. He actually knows your secret. And you know what? He loves you anyways. His unfailing love. He's known that secret all your life. He knows it. And he's still saying, I've got you. I love you. I'm not leaving you. I know all about it. I'm with you. And then you ask God, God, would you show me someone that I can share this with? I love James chapter 5, verse 6. Verse 16 says, confess your sins or anything that's going on. It's not just sins. I know it says there are sins, but I, I think it's open to more. Confess your sins or the other stuff on your heart and mind to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, that trustworthy person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Oh, it's going to take a lot of courage. And how many times I have said to people after we're done a session in my office, I say, I want to commend you and I respect you for the courage that it took for you to share this with me. I know it would have taken a lot of courage. Good for you good for you. Oh, I love this in Micah chapter 7. Once again, you, God, will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins, or whatever it is, that secret, whatever is going on, you're going to trample it under your feet, and you're going to take it, and you're going to throw it into the depths of the ocean and put a no fishing sign there. You, God, will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. Now, I want to I touch a pause button here for a minute. We need to be careful how we look at others who are struggling in life and in trouble. We need to be careful how we look at others who are struggling in life and in trouble. We also need to be careful how we speak to others who are struggling in life and in trouble. And we need to be careful of how we speak of others that are struggling in life and in trouble. We need compassion. We need understanding 
We need gentleness. We need to be able to listen without judgment. There's a conversation where we need to be asking more instead of just talking so much to the other person. I'm learning that slowly. Where we ask questions like, tell me more about that. Help me understand. How are you feeling about that? Now, I know it's not the, not the tone of the psychologist or the counselor that says, so how does that really make you feel? We're not doing that. But we're saying, how do you feel? What's going on in here? After they're, they're sitting there and thought for a while, say, what are you thinking? What's going on in your head? Asking a lot more to dig deeper, to invite them to talk. And we need to encourage without advice. I know a lot of people come to me and say, Tim, tell me, tell me what to do. What, what do I do here? Give me some advice. And I'm learning to be more and more hesitant to come with the advice. Maybe at the very end I'll give a little bit of advice. But most often, people just need to talk and be heard because some things they've shared, they've never been able to share with anyone. Are we safe places? What everyone needs to walk in life and troubles is courage. And our presence and our belief in them is the courage that they need. Our presence and our belief in them. So we've talked about how dreams can knock us down. Relationships can pull us down. Illness and disease can pull us down. Shameful secrets can chain us down. And fear keeps us down. This is one of the greatest weapons of the devil. There's a reason why the Apostle John says, perfect love casts out fear. Love that phrase. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear. The angels in the scriptures, when the angels appeared to people, Jesus showed up to a number of times where he says, Do not fear or fear not. Sometimes it was a command, but I think often it was an encouragement. You don't have to fear, Jesus is here. That's kind of cute, eh? You don't have to fear. Jesus is here. Right? And he was saying, when the angels were there, when Jesus showed up, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm here. I'm right here. I've got you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm right here. I love that. In Psalm 139, I'm going back there, verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down into the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me. That's what fear is. It's dark. It's grimy. It's slimy. It's just, it just pulls us in. 
I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around it become night. But even in the darkness, I can't hide from you, God. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Let me tell you a story and then I'll, I'll conclude with a weekly challenge. The first number of years of my life, I grew up in Ladner, British Columbia, close to Delta, Tuasson, that area. And I lived in an area called, or a little island called West Ham Island. And we had to go from our place to a, bi- to a bus stop where I took my bicycle and rode to that particular spot. And then we took the bus to Ladner Elementary. I checked Google the other day, and from my house to Ladner Elementary School was just over seven kilometers. For some brainiac idea, grade two, grade three, see, there's a lot of things that happened to me in those years. I got it into my head that I was going to ride my bicycle all the way to school. Imagine grade two, grade three. I got to school. I was so pumped. I was so proud of myself. And I told my friends, and they go, what? What are you thinking? I go, what? It was fun. He goes, do you know? Do you know that there's people out there that like to ride their cars along kids on bikes and open up their doors and hit them into the ditches? I go, what? Are you kidding me? I was suddenly scared spitless. I don't have a clue what went on that day in school, but after school, I now have to ride home. I ain't phoning my mom to pick me up. So I start riding my bike home. Oh, here comes the car. He's going to open up the door. And I'm going to get hit, and I'm going to bump, bump, bump into that ditch. Oh, no. Another car? No, not another car. I'm going to get hit by that door. Boom, 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 into the... Now, you need to understand something about British Columbia, southern BC. They have blackberry bushes. (laughs) Exactly like that. Those are huge. They've got prickles worse than rose bushes on them, really. You go in, you ain't coming out. (laughs) Now, blackberries actually happen to be my favorite fruit. I love blackberries. Somebody said to me earlier, yeah, there's blackberry wine too. I'm not going there, okay? (laughs) I love blackberries, but those, those, like they're like spiders and octopuses and they just kind of, I saw you and I pull you in. So here I am riding my bike. They're going to come and hit me, and I'm going to go into that blackberry bush, and I'm never getting out alive. Mom! 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 And I started screaming all the way home. Mom! 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 And I run into the house, and I grab my mom, and I go, Mom, I'm home. I'm home. Oh, that felt so good. 
Do you know where home is for you in the midst of your life and your fears and your secrets and your relationships and the stuff going on in your life? Do you know where your home is? Straight into the arms of your heavenly Father. It's that simple. The invitation is to come home. To know that God knows you. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows your past. He knows what's going on right now. And he loves you. Some of you are hearing this for the very first time. There is a God who loves you personally and knows you. Others, you've known this all your life, and it's a little bit of old news. No, it's not old news. It's great news that God knows you and he loves you. It's the best news ever. And some of you have been running away from home, and you need to stop running, and you need to come home. Some of you need to begin reaching out and have relationships with others relationship with Jesus, but you need to get outside of just yourself and you need to reach out. You need to get some friends. You need to get into a cell. You need to start talking to somebody. You need to serve. Maybe their first step is just coming to church every weekend. Maybe that's a step. But we can't do it alone. Let's bow in prayer. I'll do the weekly shepherd in a moment. Let's bow in prayer. Close your eyes. And in your mind, there's something that is front and center, something about that's going on in your life that has hold of you. You know, you know what it is. And God says to you, I know it. I know it all. I've known it all the way along. I love you, and I've got you. Would you trust me with it? Would you, would you, would you come talk to me about it, God says? I want to hold you. I want to walk with you on this. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to trust you, to allow you to hold us, to allow you to speak to us, to allow you to have that relationship with us that you so want because you love us and you care about us and you know everything. Lord Jesus, please come as we come to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.